Come on, let's get ready for the Word of God. Because we're going to do some groundbreaking stuff in a little bit. But I'm going to take you right now to the Word to prepare your heart for your miracle. Take the book. Turn to Mark. Turn to the sixth chapter, the Gospel of Mark. Somebody say amen. Play a little softly here for me for the reading of the Word, if you will. Pastor Chad, sir. And I want... Listen. I can talk about dream and vision and the building. And I will in a little bit. And where we're going, where we were, I'll get you up to speed and I'll get you out of here on time. But there are people in this house like me who need a miracle from God for something. I can think of three things I cannot do for myself right now that I need God to do for myself and for those I represent. I can think of three, at least three miracles I need. You can think of the miracle. If there's something desperate in your life, you don't have to run the gears of your brain to think, what miracle do I need? You've been eating it, sleeping it, getting up, keeping you at night it. Yeah. So last Sunday, I started on a seven-point lesson that we finished last Sunday on the atmosphere of a miracle. And I'm going to go back to that same text. And I want to prepare you for, a, for your miracle and for revival. That's why I'm taking these moments to give you a word. Because your revival needs to begin today. Your miracle needs to start happening now. How many can, can, can just say, Pastor, I too need a miracle. Would you raise your hand? Let me just make sure. And I don't want you to just do it because I want to be entertained by you raising your hand. Hold it up just a moment. Yeah. You may put them down. Listen. Marriages are hurting. Children, in some cases, are rebellious. Some have left and been gone for weeks and haven't called. Nobody knows where they are. You need a miracle. People have been dismissed from jobs that they thought they would retire from. And now their world financially is in collapse. The people need a miracle. There are people who have been attacked by Satan in their minds saying to, to them, I've got you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill your children. You're going to die prematurely. Your daddy died at this age. Your mama died at this age from this disease. How many know what I'm talking about? You need a miracle. Somebody, somebody needs God in some way. And I'm just going to use this very simple but truthful Word of God. Mark's Gospel, chapter number 6, please. Verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them. Because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. And he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and two fish, here's the miracle. He looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men. Point your hand in my direction. Would you ask God to help me to prepare our hearts for the atmosphere of a miracle and would you ask God to prepare your hearts to come on father in the name of Jesus I don't need to preach because I'm the preacher and I don't need to preach because that's part of the program but I'm wanting to bring your word oh God because you said faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God and so I ask you now in the name of Jesus 
that you would give us faith and miracles. And I pray that, Lord, you would fight off all the distractions of the enemy and our flesh so that the word would fall on good soil and it would be watered by faith. Oh God, would you visit us in this service in a supernatural way and would you let, let us today begin to see, and even immediately, the transformations we need in Jesus' name. Amen? And so be it. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Just keep your Bible open to this reference. And, and let me just hasten. There are, last Sunday I said, there, there are several things that work against you if you believe in God for a miracle. And all of the things that work against you if you believe in God for a miracle in your marriage and your money and your mind, if you believe in God for a miracle in relationships, if you believe in God for a miracle in your education, or, or if you believe in for whatever you, you're trusting God for. And when I use the word miracle, I'm talking about you believe in God for something that you cannot do for yourself, the doctor cannot do for you, the dentist cannot do for you, the lawyer cannot do for you, even the preacher can't do it for you. Give me an amen by faith. A mir- it's not a miracle if you can do it yourself, okay? If you can do it yourself, it's lazy. If you had not done it yet. No, I don't expect no amen there. Uh, but, but it's a miracle if, if you have, if there's no human possibility that it could happen and the facts show that it's over. But then there is God. But all the things that come against you to make you doubt you're going to get a miracle or to delay your miracle has its foundation in the devil. And I would say to you, uh, just to refresh your memory, sometimes the length, the duration, the longevity of what you're suffering from or what you're going through or the conflict or the relationship problem, sometimes the length of what you're going through on your job or what you're going through in your marriage or what you're going through with raising kids, the duration of it makes you think that God's not answering your prayer and He's not going to and the devil wants to make you think your miracles are not possible. Not only the duration that comes against you make you deny the power and possibility of a miracle, but also the intensity of what you're going through. It starts off with a little stomachache for some, and you think, well, maybe it's a little heartburn, so I'll take a little bit of prescription or non-prescription stuff, and I'll feel a little better. But you find it now, it's three weeks and four weeks, and it's gotten worse. And so you go to the doctor, and you find out there's a little spot on one of the vital organs, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, it's gone from what I thought was heartburn until something now is terribly wrong with me. And the devil will distract you by the intensity of an attack on your body, and thus weaken your faith if he can. Can I get an amen, somebody? This is what I find out before I get my victory before I get my answer the devil fights me the hardest the more I pray for an answer a miracle the more the resistance seems to come the more I'm praying for a miracle the more the symptoms worsen the more you pray for your son or daughter who might be rebellious the more they misbehave can I get an amen somebody the more you pray for peace on your job the more you find out there's chaos because that's one of the devil's tools to intensify your fear instead of magnify your faith that's good preaching really early go ahead and give a lot of thanks So if the duration of your struggle and storm doesn't get you to doubt in miracles, if the intensity doesn't get you to doubt in miracles, then usually the unanswered prayers that sometimes you've prayed 
cause you to doubt. Well, Pastor, I prayed over this three times. I prayed over it ten times. I prayed over it in last year's revival. I prayed over it in the last prayer meeting. I've given my prayer to the, to the prayer team, and we put it in the prayer chest, and the Monday night group has prayed about it. I've given it to the church, and it's gone over the Internet, Pastor. I've given it to the prayer tower. I've done all I know to do it. Here I am in the sixth month or the twelfth month of my dilemma, and God hasn't answered my prayer, so maybe He is not going to. That's what the devil will tell you. There are only three answers to your prayers, three possible answers to your prayers. Yes, no, and wait. That's it. Because he wants to protect you. Because you got these suggestions. You know, I'm always suggesting to God how to do things. As if he would need my help. You know, in a moment you're going to hear how much it costs for this building, okay? And I've told you that before. You know that the new construction and all that we need is going to be about $5.2 million. We have an ongoing debt of, uh, of $1.3 million from recent construction and all. And so we're going to borrow about six point six. We have made arrangements. We already approved. We're already drawing some money for $6,675,000. How many know that would take a miracle? Yeah. And I've suggested to God all kinds of ways whereby he could relieve my stress by having somebody cut the check. You could be here today. Looking at some of you, it's going to take a miracle. (laughs) And so I've come to understand that oftentimes when God says no, it's because he wants to protect me from me being God. Me thinking I can tell God what to do. And oftentimes, let me tell you something about no. No means that God has a better plan. So the possible answers are yes, no, and wait. Because God sees the big picture. He sees the before, the middle, and the after. And when he says wait, it's because he has a better blessing, a better job, a better answer, a better person than the jerk you're dating now. Where did that come from? Uh, See, sometimes I have to do that shock preaching to get your attention. I'm only saying that because some of you have brought some people into this house of God want to introduce me to them. And they know no more love Jesus. They're just coming here because they hope they can marry you. And once they say, I do, they ain't ever coming back to church. And that is a jerk. That's just, oh, I'll be out of town a few days. Send the emails all you want to. There they be. God, spare me for my plans to give me a better plan. Okay, and I, I said that other lightly because I'm, oh, God help me. Now keep going, Alan. You're getting deeper, son. Uh, unanswered prayers. Paul prayed three times for an answer to what he called a thorn in the flesh. And God says, my grace is sufficient. I'm not going to do it your way, but you wait on my way. My grace is sufficient and my strength is made perfect when you are at your weakest. When you are at your weakest, God is at his strongest. Somebody help me. Praise God. I don't have to explain God or understand God for God to be God. Oh, my, my, my. And then there's this lack of preaching on miracles that tell us the days of miracles are over, but I won't go there. How do you get a, how do you get a miracle? What do you have to be? What atmosphere? What's got to be going on in your world that creates conditions for a miracle when it's too late? Because here we are at the end of the day. The text is on the screen. People have been following Jesus since the morning time. Because he's dynamic. He's anointed. He's a miracle worker. The word goes out from village to village about Jesus. That says to people, if he ever shows up in your village or your town or your church or your synagogue. You drop everything you're doing and go be near Jesus if you need a miracle. Jesus shows up in this particular part of the geography of what we now know. What we call in some places the Holy Land. 
And, and people drop everything and they start listening to his teaching. His word is dynamic. His teaching is anointing. And, and, and because they know he's liable to do a miracle just any time, they followed him all day long, past lunchtime, into the evening, from dawn to now dusk. And they're out in a place where there are no restaurants, there are no bakeries, there are no places for food. And the crowd has grown so large, the Bible says, that at least 5,000 men are there. If you count the women and the children, you're talking to a, a number around Jesus by the end of the day of over 10,000 people now a witch, now who which are hungry. So the disciple says in verse 35, I have it underlined, this is a deserted place. There are no cracker barrels. There are no golden corral. Don't leave, I'll tell you when. There are no old Charlie's. There are no bakeries here. And a matter of fact, the, the hour is late. How many times when you're praying God for your miracle and for your deliverance and for your answer and for your peace, does the devil tell you it's too late? And then I tell you last Sunday how God healed a 12-year-old girl, Jairus' daughter, whose father was told, don't bother Jesus anymore. He went to find Jesus to come to his house to heal his 12-year-old daughter. And Jesus was delayed getting to his house because he was performing a miracle on the way there. And the messenger said to Jairus, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your child is dead. And Jesus said, be not afraid, only believe. Everybody say, only believe. What may be late for you is on time for Jesus. Give a Lord a hand clap to somebody. Oh, it might be past the midnight hour for you, but it's never too late for God. And so if you think it's too late and it's over, you crucify that thought because God and Jesus, of course, who is God, is the resurrection and the life. Now, let me show you another condition for miracles. When we can do nothing. Mark 6, 37, our text. Jesus realizing that the crowd is hungry. They're over 10,000 strong. They're in a deserted place. The sun's about to set. They need to navigate their way home. There are no restaurants. And nobody can take up an offering to feed this crowd. If they could take take up an offering, there wouldn't be enough. He says, you give them something to eat. They said to Jesus, send them home. Jesus said, you give them something to eat. And they said, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Denarii being their currency. If we could muster up an offering from this crowd and get 200 denarii of bread, that wouldn't be enough to feed these people. In other words, there's nothing we can do. And I want to encourage you by telling you that miracles happen when we exhaust our natural abilities. I've got to hurry here, but you remember when Moses came to the Red Sea leading a million and a half Hebrews who had just been slaves in Egypt? Actually, their descendants had been slaves. There were 400 years slaves in Egypt. And their jobs were to make houses and make pyramids and to make places of dwelling. Their jobs were to be slaves for the Hebrews, building with clay, with mud and straw, and eating the garlics and the onions and the leeks and the leftovers of the fruits and vegetations from the Egyptians. God showed up miraculously through Moses. He did ten supernatural miracles. Remember the frogs and the lice and the, and the water turning into blood. Can I get a witness here? You remember all that? The firstborn being killed. God showed up ten, oh, 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 ten different miracles. Let's say to Pharaoh in Egypt, you ain't God. 
I'll deliver my people. They got to the Red Sea having God bless them. Because when they left Egypt, God bankrupt the Egyptians by making them give the gold and silver and precious stuff. The Egyptians, the Egyptians wanted them to leave so bad. I pray that's how, oh, how it'll work for your victory. Oh, my, my. The Egyptians who kept them slaves said, we'll give you whatever it takes. Just get out of here. My, I want to hear the devil say that. Oh, God, I want to hear the demons say that. Just let me out of here. Just, just, just know I'm tired of bothering you. You got some more kind of God. I, I just let me go find someplace else to live. Anybody helping me preach? Somebody? I want to tell you, the Bible says the wealth of the wicked are stored up for the righteous. Somebody may call you a slave, but God calls you his son, his daughter. And if he needs to bankrupt the wicked to bless you, God can do that too. Somebody help me praise him. They come to the Red Sea. There is water so wide, so deep, so vast. Pharaoh's army is on their heels. Pharaoh changed his mind and said, I'm going to go back and get those Hebrews because I need them for slaves. i either going to get them or I'm going to drown them in the Red Sea. And Moses and the people are there in front of the Red Sea. And the people begin to say to Moses, you brought us out here to kill us. Isn't it just like our human flesh when we ain't get no miracles to blame the leader? They did David. When he went back to Ziklag and all the family was destroyed and the raiders came through, they said, uh, let's go kill. Let's start with David. I don't want to be that kind of leader. But fear comes in. And the Lord said, you know the story and I won't elaborate. Moses, you take your rod. Or you... Moses said, I don't know what to do. Pharaoh's on our heels. And the chariots are coming. The soldiers are armed with swords and spears. They're going to wipe out men, women, children, livestock and well, who survived, they'll drag back into slavery or drown us in the sea. God said, Moses, I want you to stand up tonight, this evening. Hold your rod, your staff I gave you. Get in a very high visible place above the sea and where the people can see you. And hold your rod over that sea. And all night long, God sent a wind that blew all night, that parted the ocean, the Red Sea, and made a wide valley, a clay valley of, of dry, what used to be mud, now is dry. There is a wall of water over here and maybe about a another half a mile, another wall of water over here, and God makes a way, and in the t- and all night long, while He is causing the, the sea to part, He's got a cloud of darkness separating Pharaoh and separating His chariots. They ain't got no GPS system. They're hiding by a cloud. God's got a cloud hiding them, and light on this side, and wouldn't you know, you already know the story, the children of Israel, 1.5 million walk through the dry bed and the parted sea, and go all the way to the other side and when Pharaoh's army thought that they could cross too and they tried to follow the children of Israel onto that path that was cleared for the people of God God brought down the water and destroyed the enemy when you don't know what to do God always does help me praise him the, uh, the intellectuals who like to discredit miracles in the Bible, says, that wasn't really a miracle. You heard me tell it before, but I'll tell it for those of you who might not have heard it. The intellectual said there wasn't no parting of no Red Sea. It wasn't even a sea. It was called Reed Sea. R-W-E-D, Reed Sea, not Red Sea, they said. It was called Reed Sea because it 
the, it was a marshy swamp land, wetland area with reeds that grew in it, reeds. And the water, the deepest, was no higher than one's knee or perhaps thighs. So the people could just walk across. It wasn't really no parting. And you know, the intellectuals forgot something. It was a greater miracle by their explanation. Because then, what dumb and foolish army Pharaoh had to all be drowned in water no deeper than your knee. <laughs> Anywhere you shake it, God is God. When you've run out of you, that's time for you to run to God. Can somebody say praise the Lord? I, I, I'm telling you, when, when, when you feel like I prayed my last prayer, pray another one anyhow. When, when, you, pray, when you feel like, God, I've, uh, I've raised my hand for the last time and nothing happened, raise it up one more time. Because when you can do nothing with God, all things, <laughs> all things are possible. I've got to hurry. When you know the facts... It's time for a miracle. God's not afraid of the facts. The facts for Lazarus was that he was dead. The Gospel of John. The fact was Jesus was called. uh, Oh, I just feel a hallelujah on this bald spot right there. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were the friends of Jesus. They were, for your understanding, they and Jesus are kind of tight. I won't say like me and Pastor Darrell, but he ain't tight with nothing. Anyhow, no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Go away. Jesus would stop at their house. He'd have dinner with them. He and the disciples would be lodging at their house because they were given to hospitality. They they were given to kindness to the ministry of Jesus. Lazarus fell sick and word went, somebody sent a a, a message to go tell Jesus he'll hurry back because Lazarus is one of his close friends. Jesus let four days go by from the time he got the word and Lazarus died. They had the viewing. They had... The digging or the opening of the... Usually back then they buried people in caves. Entombed in caves and rolled a stone in front of it. They had the burial. They brought the flowers and the food. And they had the professional mourners. And by now the crowd had thinned down. And folks, there's just a, there's just a handful lingering at Mary and Martha's house. The sisters of Lazarus. They mummified him. They embalmed him. They, don't know, they put him in there. It's over. Four days later, Jesus said to his disciples... We, word had gotten to Jesus that he was dead, Lazarus. And Jesus turned over to the disciples and says, We're going back now for, to help Lazarus. And he said, wait, wait a minute, the fact is that the man is dead. They had his funeral, the preachers already come and gone, the mourners have come and gone, they unseal up the tomb, the man's been mummified, he's dead, and by now, uh, Mr. Jesus, he's smelling bad. Huh? Jesus said, No, he's just sleeping. <laughs> That's why no Christian should be afraid of death. Because if you're born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, you're just sleeping. You're just sleeping. You're just closing your eye. Come on, give a Lord a praise. Open your eye. You, I won't belabor this. Jesus goes on the way near the house of Mary and Martha. He, uh, Martha comes out of the house and 
rushes to Jesus and said, If you'd only been here, Jesus, my brother Lazarus, your friend, would have lived. And Jesus said, Don't you know? I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. But the fact is, Jesus, we, pardon the grammar, we done had the service. We already did the embalming and he is dead. You know, sometimes we want to be really reverential and respectful of God. But sometimes we talk back to him too. We want to say something like, what part of dead don't you understand? God, I'm broke. That's the fact. What part of broke don't you understand? The fact is, I have been looking for a job for six months. And everybody's telling me with my application, don't call us. We'll call. Yeah. Or something like, you are overqualified. To flip hamburgers? What are you talking about? Overqualified. I just want to pay my groceries, gas. The fact is... You see, your miracle's in a process. God's not afraid of the facts. Some preachers say, well, don't say you got a cold, because that'll be doubting. Don't say you got a cough. Don't say you got something wrong with your stomach. Or don't say you got uh, something with your heart. Don't say your marriage is suffering. Don't say your kids are rebellious. Don't say something, because that's negative, negative, negative. No, that's the facts. Now, don't dwell on it. But say you got a cold, because you've been sneezing on all of us, and you, just, you need to use a Kleenex. We don't catch a cup. Jesus said, how much, how much food you got? We got five loaves and two fish. Here's a final thought. If you want your miracle today, then you must obey divine orders. Five loaves and two fish. The fact is, by the way, Jesus did raise Lazarus from the dead. I just shortcut it. And t- I, don't, I don't need to spend all that time. Jesus did say, this is going to wake you up if you ain't woke up yet. <laughs> Lazarus, come forth. He did. They rolled back the stone on Lazarus. <laughs> and Jesus said, loose him and let him go. I said it's never too late for Jesus. Now, see here, if you need your miracle, you ain't supposed to figure out how five loaves and two fish going to work out for 5,000, maybe 10,000. Just break it. Jesus prayed over it. Just break it and keep serving. Just keep serving. That's divine order. Divine order is obey God anyhow. And I don't mean to be unkind and rude, and sometimes I can be rather blunt, and I, don't, I want to be sensitive and compassionate. But one of the things that, some of the things that hinder our miracles is that we are not obedient in some areas. Give me an amen. Amen. Partial obedience is total disobedience. And you can't expect a miracle if you have hidden sins in your life. You got to get rid of the sin. Confess it. You can't expect a miracle if you're holding ought against your brother or sister. I don't care if it's a year ago, two years, or last week. You cannot have bitterness and strife and division and hate and hoping somebody dies. So that they get theirs and expect a miracle. Give me another amen. You cannot be one going about criticizing, condemning, finding fault, blaming, letting your anger blow out in every direction using foul language and call yourself a Christian and, and letting this, this kind of negative testimony go out and expect, wondering why God doesn't give you a miracle. 
You, you cannot involve yourself in adultery or fornication and having sex outside of marriage and, and having all different kinds of partners and involving homosexuality and lesbianism and, and those kind of things and wonder why God doesn't fix your world. Obedience. Obey divine orders. You know, sometimes God delays the miracles to process us. Can I get an amen? Now, you know what happened here. You know that God, five loaves, two fishes. Sit them down in groups. of. Can you just envision this? They're on, a, they're on a sloping elevation of a mountain that comes all the way down to the sea. Let's, let's imagine that's the setting. Oh, well, pardon me. That is not the setting. This setting is a deserted place. There's, the deserted place in the desert, this is where they are, okay? I'm trying to get you to the concept of envisioned. In desert sand, barren place, groups of 50 people. So that the disciples and their assistants can navigate breaking, breaking, breaking. And as they broke, they keep breaking. When they finish, everybody eats, their stomach is full, and they have 12 baskets full. You know one of the reasons why we don't get a miracle? Is we can want somebody else to do the giving. The boy had to give his lunch for there to be a miracle. I, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get you... In, in, listen... The Lord says, bring your tithe and offerings into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, that the house may be taken care of in the ministry, and that I will bless you. When you, when you God says, I'll give you a financial miracle, because when you bring the tithe and offerings into the storehouse, there may be meat in my house. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And then later on, the Bible says, he will bless us good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You can't expect multiplication of your finances and your prosperity and your blessings and your health. It's not just about money with God when you bring your tithe and offerings. It's about your marriage. It's about your mind. It's about your protection. It's about all. When God rolls the video, when you get to heaven and see you see what you've been protected from and what God blessed you with, you'll regret that you didn't do more with what he gave you. My point is, I can't expect a miracle. I got to be giving something. Obedience means that, that I give. I continue to give my tithe and my offerings. And, and when I do, I give God something to bless back. Somebody says there were 12 baskets, and the Bible says there were 12 baskets left over, and each basket went to one of the disciples. That's, that's not theology. That's just somebody's opinion. What I think is more accurate is that the 12 baskets went to the boy, because he's the one who gave the lunch. Them disciples didn't give their lunch. I could just see him going home to mama that evening. Boy, why are you home so late from school? So late, home so late. And, and, and you used to come back earlier from school. Well, I went out in the desert with this Jesus man. Son, you come in here right now. Well, mama, before you spank me for being late, not texting you. <laughs> if you want your kids to call you, don't call them. Text them. If you want anybody to call you. Where's Wes? I gotta find him. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Mama, I got twelve baskets of loaves and fishes from that five loaves and two fish you gave me. Because the blessings come back to those who obey. Stand up, everybody. I want you to get your miracle. I'm gonna pray over you here, and then we're gonna to transition to a, spe- a very special ceremony. Come, Valerie, help me. I'm going to tell you, I've been your pastor for 27 years. And this lady's been by my side every single day. You, you, have, you have now pastored us in a way that we've 
not had need of until the last three months. When she was attacked in her eyes with what is called blepharospasms. Never heard of it before. The continual twitching and spasms of one eyes, one's eye uncontrollably. Five seconds, 30 seconds, one minute. She could be walking just like this and then all of a sudden eyes close. Her vision is fine. Not the vision. It's the nerves and muscles around our eyes. It's neurologically based. We're getting a lot of education by this valley that we're walking through. It's a process of our miracle. And we're asking God, where are we missing it? What am I not doing? What is she not doing? Is this for us and somebody else? We sat down yesterday for a little bit together and we said, what are we learning from this? I'm learning to be a little more sensitive to other people's need. We're learning. We're closer together now. By force and then by necessity. <laughs> I drive her every way. We got two cars. One hers, one mine. Usually she just says, see you when I see you. But she can't say that. Because I got to take her where we're going to see her. <laughs> She's the elementary school principal of Ruth Hill Elementary School, Coweta County. Over 400 students. She has a major responsibility. The computer screens are hurting her eyes because of the glare. And this past Wednesday, she had... Twelve shots, six around one eye, six around another, for the intention of paralyzing the nerves. It'll last about three months and then they'll do it all over again. It's not a cure. But listen to me. I'm not against medicine. It's part of the process. You understand? It's the process. We end up, I, I, let me tell you, I have learned I'm going to pray over a headache, but if there's an aspirin nearby, I'm going to take that baby. God's not against aspirins. Okay? But I'm saying to you that the process is ongoing and, and, and it takes about five days to seven to realize the results of the shots. But my wife has had better relief the last day and a half or two. Give a Lord thanks for the process. Give a Lord thanks for the process. You know what she told me? We were, we were in the process. She said, um, ladies, she said, I got three options for the Bible study starting August or September. Women's Bible study she's been leading for the last six years. She said to me, I'm looking for her to take a break. She says to me, if I got to get somebody to lead me by the hand to do the women's Bible study, I'm going to keep obeying God. I can't understand it. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I've been through valleys and I've seen God in the valley and on the mountain. And I didn't bring her up here to draw attention to her or bring sympathy to us. I brought you up here to tell you that we are all fighting the same devil. But one can put one demon to flight and two can put ten and all of us could put a thousand. We are in process. Everybody say process. Say I'm in process. Say my miracle is on the way. I praise him again. Come on. So would you do what Valerie and I are doing? Would you do some inventory and say, God, if there's anything I got to clean up out of my house or out of my life for my miracle, I'm ready for my miracle. Show me. Raise up your hand all over the house. Raise up your hands to Jesus. Let's get, let's do some house cleaning right now. 
I'm not calling you a sinner. I'm just calling you. If you've been slacking your prayer, then let's get a little more intense. If you've been slacking your Bible reading, let's get a little more intense. If you've been low in your faith, confess your weak faith and exchange it for greater faith. Come on. Father, in the name of Jesus, hands are lifted up and needs are being expressed. And I pray, oh God, I praise you that it's never too late for you. And I praise you that when I run out of myself, I can run into God. And I praise you, oh God, Jesus, that you have a better plan. And when I obey you, you will show up. Come on, somebody help me praise the Lord. I pray that even though we know the facts, oh God, the doctor says that you may never, you may never walk again, but you can heal that leg. Oh God, the banker says that, that it's in foreclosure and you'll, you'll lose your house. But that may be the fact, but you can give us a better house. Somebody say amen. Oh God, the, the marriage, the wife might have moved out and they might have signed a divorce paper. But oh God, the fact may be what it is, but you can save the home. And I pray for the miracles. Come on, praise him with me. Oh God, for our sons and our daughters, we need a miracle. For revival, we need a miracle. God, somebody's fighting the enemy left and right, back and front. I cast out depression. I cast out suicidal spirits, oh God. I pray that where there is death, there will be life. I pray that where there is sadness, there will be joy. I pray that we will exchange the garment of heaviness for the garment of praise. Because God is for us and not against us. And everybody say amen. Go ahead. Thank you.